Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, would you do me a favor and turn in your Bible to the book of Mark? I'm going to get into the word today. Mark chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. And it's going to come up on the screen behind us. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 8. It says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they may come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they locked up and they saw that the stone had been when they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large and entering the tomb they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed but he said to them don't be alarmed you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified he is risen he is not here see the place where they laid him but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee there you will see him as he said to you so they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they were trembled and were amazed. They were trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this subject or this title. The King's Move. The King's Move. Come on, would you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord Jesus, to be able to lean into your presence, Lord, and to be able to spend time with you on this Resurrection Sunday. Um, Father, we understand the magnitude of this moment. Um, death got swallowed up. What the enemy thought that he had a move on you, Lord God, you came back, Lord. Three days later, you resurrected. You brought life. And Father, I'm so grateful that you have given that life to those of us that have called on the name of Jesus. And today, Father, I pray that you would speak to us, that it would be your words and not mine. Lord, John 3, John 3, 330, Lord God, let me decrease that you may increase. Father, I love you and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? Oh, come on, greater church on this Easter Sunday. Would you make some noise for Jesus in his place? Amen. The kings move. The kings move. Man, I remember that there was a time... And, and a lot of us, I think we've lived in this era uh, where we used to have fun outside. Amen? Anybody remember having fun outside? It, doesn't it feel like a long time ago when there wasn't no Fortnite? There was no Call of Duty. There were no cell phones. This was before the Google was a thing. We didn't even have internet. I had, black, I had color TV. But our color TV, it was on the top. You had to put it on 11. And on the bottom, you had to... May I remember that? And there was no remote controls. Your mama made you change the channel. And in commercials, she would say, go to the other channel. I just want to see what's happening. <laughs> I remember that we would have fun outside. And I mean, we, we had fun. We climbed trees. We fell off trees. We hurt ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we, we broke arms. It was okay. Some of y'all like, no, oh my God, you're preaching violence. No, it was fine. We had a couple of concussions. We didn't go home and tell mom because we were scared. She was going to take us to the doctor and they were going to pinch us. And I don't want to do that. So let me just lay here and shake for a little while. Give me some water and I'm good to go. And we made it all right, didn't we? 
And I remember in my time, uh, the way that you had fun, and, and I think even the way that you got street cred, you know, that people respect you, was with a good old foot race. How many of y'all remember having foot races in the hood? Y'all remember that in the neighborhood? Some of y'all ladies were like, oh, my God, we play with Barbies. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop. For us, we would race as men, and it would prove to people around you that you were the man, and you could walk up with your head held high, walk through the neighborhood. And I remember on this particular moment, me and my friend, we would always talk, and it was trash talking between both of us. We're like, no, I'm faster than you, bro. You're not faster than me. No, no, I'm faster than you. And we're arguing about this. So we get to the point where we go, where do we start off? On the blocks, right on the corner. And we go, we're going to go from here to the red car. How many of y'all remember the red car? The yellow car. We're going to go right to the red car. And me and my son, I should have brought a video because I burnt them the other day because he thought I was slow. And I'm sitting there, we're ready. But then I took it serious. And you know what you do when you take a race serious when you were a kid, right? You took your shoes off. Because that's when it, oh, what? You what? Hold on one second. You snatch your shoes off because you knew there was glass on the floor. It didn't matter. My reputation is on the line. And so I, you just sit there and you're like, you ready, bro? I'm going to dust you, bro. Do you want a couple of steps? And so after like four or five false starts because you know they cheat, you sit there and, you, and Mark said, go, boom. And you, you just run. Bro, I remember I was running, and at this time, I was decent. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, I had my equilibrium all over the place. Muscles were spread out. It wasn't just in one area on my tummy. Like, I was, I was good. And I remember running as fast as I can, and I'm just, I mean, the, my hair is flowing in the wind. I didn't have no hair, but what is my story? I'll tell you how I want. And my hair just, and I'm, I'm running as fast as I can. And I notice, you just feel this. You know what I mean? You just feel it. Right, Alex? You, you just look, and, the, and I just looked to the side. I was like, ha! And I knew that I was dusting him. He was right behind me, right over my shoulder. So I looked at him. I'm like, ha, and I'm going. But the moment that I looked at him, all of a sudden, it turned in. I looked forward, and then what was in front of me turned into the sky. And then, like, and then I'm just like, what just happened? And then, I'm gonna, and then all of a sudden, I remember I was just sitting there, and I'm like, what just? I felt like I was in a dream. Anybody ever? You hurt yourself so bad, you just felt like you were in a dream. You're like, just give me a moment. Hold on one second. Taylor, that was this morning for Taylor. And you just, what just happened? Did I just wake up? And I'm sitting there, I'm looking up, and I'm like, yo, what, what just happened? And I see my friend over, and I told you. And I'm like, huh? And I didn't know what was happening. And then I realized, see, coming up in our neighborhoods where I lived at, we were po. We couldn't afford the O and the R. We were just po. And so our neighborhood had things that probably weren't OSHA approved. <laughs> and so... Y'all remember, and some of y'all, if you walk your neighborhood, if you get out of your house sometimes, you can, you can Google it too, but actually go see it. It's incredible. It's a, they actually had electrical cables that would come down from the bottom, from the top, right? And then these electrical cables, nine times out of ten, they usually have a yellow casing on it, right? Right? They have a yellow casing on it, a protective, right, Richard? They have a, a yellow casing to protect you. This one didn't have it! And so I'm running and I wasn't paying attention and I just, that thing clipped me, bro, from my face all the way down and I just, whoo, and my entire life flipped upside down and I laid there. Flipped upside down is exactly where you find ourselves in this story today. I know it's been 2,023 years later and we got it a little bit figured out or so we feel like it. But can I tell you that the Easter story was an absolute disaster. Because here's what's happened. Jesus has stepped into the scene and he's lived 30 life in obscurity. He's just been developing and learning and growing in his own faith. But all of a sudden now, at the age of 30, he comes into the scene and he starts ministering. And what happens is that for three years, he starts to perform miracles. He's raising dead bodies. There are people whose eyes are blind that are being healed. Demons are coming out of people. I mean, Jesus is doing some incredible miracles. And it comes to the moment that they have the Passover meal on a Thursday. 
Now, I want you to understand this timeline so that you can see how violent of a pace this is and how much of their life got flipped upside down. So many of the people were thinking in the Passover, a lot of them, mostly all of them were Jews. And so what they thought was when we had the Passover back in Moses' time, there was the lamb's blood that was placed on the door mantle. And that was the day that signified that we were going to be able to get out of bondage and we were going to be free. So here it is that they're looking at Jesus a week earlier than this. They start to scream, Hosanna! The, the king, he's here. Oh, what, we, king of, son of David. And they're screaming and they're so excited about it because they think we've been in bondage to the Roman government for so many years now. It's been 400 years that we've been in bondage to the Roman government. And man, I'm excited because Jesus looks like the guy, the Messiah, that is supposed to rescue us. And if I could take a note from Moses, then that means that Jesus is going to do the same thing. He's going to allow for me to come out of this thing. On Thursday night, he has Passover with his disciples. And at 11 o'clock, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we have saw the story and we've read it. Jesus is praying with the disciples. And around 3 a.m., some Roman guards come with Judas. And they, Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek. And they grab him around 3 a.m. By 6 p.m., they've had seven mock trials. Seven fake. And one day I'm going to unpack what that looks like. But they had seven different trials for Jesus. At 6 a.m., they start to kind of maneuver and start to say, okay, we're going to crucify him and we want him dead. By 9 a.m., Jesus is on a cross. By 9 a.m., Jesus is on a cross being crucified. Now I'll explain what that looks like in a second. From 9 a.m. till about 3 p.m. Scripture says that at 3 p.m., and understand that the Jewish calendar, their time was a lot different than ours. Our day starts at 12. Their day starts at 6. So their clock is a little different. And when it talks about the first watch, the second watch, and the third watch, it's talking about three-hour increments at night. But here it is that Jesus, at 3 p.m., he gives up his ghost and he dies. Yo, it wasn't that long. So if you thought about it, if you partied a little bit too hard on Passover, and you, you laughed with your family, and you went to bed a little late, you woke up at 3 o'clock, and you were, how, how many of y'all remember waking up at 3 o'clock? Nobody, when we were kids, remember when you were kids, before you had kids, praise the Lord, when you could sleep, you know what I mean, 3 o'clock, like I can't even remember the last time that I was able to sleep till 3 o'clock, but those were good days, I didn't worry about bills, about nothing, but if you slept till 3 o'clock, you, you missed it, but if you woke up in the morning, or if somebody came knocking on your door, yo, they arrested Jesus. The Jesus that's supposed to save us and rescue him. Yo, they, they, they arrested Jesus. Jesus is in trial right now. And could you imagine what that night looked like and what people felt in their heart? Because their Savior, who they thought was going to rescue them, has now been arrested, has been crucified, and eventually died. I mean, their entire life was flipped upside down. This is where we find these individuals. Scared to death. Not knowing what to do. When Jesus dies, Passover happens. And then immediately after that, there's a Sabbath. So it's a rest. Has your life ever felt like that? Like you've just been flipped upside down and it just happened in a moment? Like, I mean, one moment you were doing so fine and you thought everything was going to work out. And then all of a sudden it's just like, yo, why am I looking at the sky? Or why am I looking at the ground? What is happening right now? What happened to my life? I was going this way. And all of a sudden it just feels like a medical diagnosis, an incident, somebody leaving, somebody passing. All of a sudden it just feels like, man, I'm entering into a season that I didn't expect. I thought I was going this way. This is where these women are when they wake up in the morning and they say, we got to go back and we're going to go take care of Jesus. And we're going to go put some spices in. 
I know, uh, I know that it's beautiful that the scripture declares that these are women. Um, they, I, I don't think they were married, but you would think they are because um, scripture says that, um, that, that it was uh, Simon, Simon and also uh, Joseph, sorry, of Amethia, Joseph, and it was uh, Nicodemus. They had took Jesus' body and they had put oils and they had put spices and they put everything and they prepared them and then they wrapped Jesus when he was dead. They wrapped him up and then they put him in the cave. But then all of a sudden the ladies had to go check because they, they may have not done it the right way and all the husbands said you didn't do it right you didn't do it right so they went back there's a telling moment here that I think can speak to our life and can meet us exactly where we are where scripture says that these women as they're walking to the tomb they begin to think to themselves and they're starting to feel weird because they're like yo who's going to roll away the stone because at this time there was no graves like they didn't put you inside of a casket what they would do is they would take you into these caves. And inside of these caves, they would roll, they would wrap you up, and then they would roll a stone so that the smell wouldn't get out. And so scripture said that this stone was very large. I hate this stone because I think this stone has done so much damage in the church of Jesus Christ. This stone, which I honestly, that's keeping people from coming to Jesus, this stone is religion. But before I get there, can we strip away the moment that these women had where they thought to themselves, the last time that we saw Jesus, we want to go back there. And yo, I, I want you to understand, there's a, there's a couple of things that I'm going to just chime in on for just a second. Number one, um, this doesn't mean uh, that you need to go back to dead things. There's some dead things in your life that you just need to let it die. Uh, if you're married, the resurrection story is about resurrecting your marriage. So please don't get my words construed or misconstrued. But there are some relationships that you're in that you're thinking, man, maybe if I spice it up a little bit, it'll get better. It's not going to get better. There's some relationship friends-wise that you got to cut. If I'm honest with you, the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas had no small dispute and they went both ways and they both ministered the gospel and eventually God brought them back. But there's some seasons of your life that you got to tell some people, yo, I can't take you on this journey with you. You still haven't got your charger back. The $250 that they told you, I promise you on Friday, I promise you I'm going to get it. You're still waiting for it. And so there are relationships in your life and there are things that are dead that you need to let just die. But then if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what I want you to understand by me saying to go back to Jesus or going back, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus because us as Christians, we do that sometimes. For us, we've came in and it's on an Easter Sunday and you probably haven't been in church for a little while. And your mind is going to begin to tell you as it does even after Easter. You know what? I'm going to go back to the person that I used to be. Oh, I remember when I used to read the Bible every single day. And I remember when I used to pray. And yo, there's, no, there's nothing bad about that. I think it's even commendable that you would desire that. But God is not looking for you to go back to who you were. He wants to create a new person in you. This new person is going to be stronger. He's going to know more. Your mistakes are not meaning that you are a mistake. They've created strength inside of you for you to go into the next season. So going back doesn't mean to go back to who I used to be. But it means to go back to Jesus. Do you remember how in love you were with him? Man, you remember how you used to pray? You used to believe stuff, man, that... Christians used to tell you, man, you can't. That's, God doesn't work like that. 
Do you remember those moments that you would just spend with him and you would listen to worship songs and it wasn't a worship song that was your genre or not? It didn't matter what you listened to. I used to listen to the corniest music and I will sing of your love. And that's not corny, but God bless y'all. And I would, and I will sing of your love, oh, forever. I will sing of your love forever. And I would just, and I, I'm talking about, I would just worship the Lord. It didn't matter what kind of song. I, li- I will sing of your love forever. It didn't matter. I will sing of your love and I will sing it forever. It didn't matter. I just, I need it. And I was so in love with him. And this is, this is the Jesus that changed you. This is the Jesus that wrapped around his arms around you when you were so lost in addiction. And you were, it was such a dark moment for you. But it was that Jesus that sometimes it's just good to look back and reflect. Scripture says that these women, they, they begin to go there and then this religious stone stands in front of them. And this, this religious stone that will not allow for men to come to Jesus. And unfortunately, I hate that the church sometimes has even placed that stone to the point that if I'm honest with you, people feel like the initial movement of coming from their death, coming from sin, to be able to step into the household of faith, not church, I mean Jesus, to be able to step into salvation, that jump from death to life, we put the most barriers on it sometimes. Y'all remember when you were little and your parents lied to you? And some of us middle schoolers who are here, parents, I'm sorry, I'm preaching. I made this message before I saw your face, so I knew that your, your middle schoolers and your high schoolers was here because you do the same thing. But do you remember when your mom used to tell you if you cross your eyes and a fly goes by, you're going to stay cross-sided? If you swallow a gum, a gum tree is going to grow in your stomach. What, if you eat a watermelon and you swallow the watermelon seeds, a watermelon's going to grow. That's a lie. Well, that's not true. But we were threatened, and I do it to my kids now. I said, you know, you know if you cross your eye, you do that thing, my kids sometimes, uh, and I'm like, you know if you do that, you're going to get stuck like that. I mean, I mean, it's just scientifically proven. You can Google it. <laughs> and it was a lie. But you know, you know what's crazy is that this is, this is the lie that religion tells you. That if your hair doesn't look a certain style, or if you don't wear a certain amount of clothes, or if you don't do this, or if you don't do that, you can't initially. Listen, Jesus loves you as you are, with your brokenness, with your addictions, with your sin. He loves you enough as you are. He loves you enough not to leave you where you are. So believe me that when you cross over that threshold, he begins to take over. And he has an army of people that are sitting around you that will help you to help you to move forward. But there's a Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about it for the next few weeks. There's a Holy Spirit inside that helps you to live this thing out. But that initial step, that initial step is all about God. You don't have to clean yourself to take that next step. That step belongs to God. He can help you do that. And I hate that we've put so many barriers and stuff. Like we forgot how much of a mess we were when we got saved. We forgot how much alcohol we drank. We forgot how much marijuana, how much cocaine we did. We forgot how lustful we were in our life. We forgot how much we hated even God. We forget sometimes about how much. And then we try to put that on somebody else. Brother, you got to get yourself cleaned up before you got to get yourself together. You weren't together. You came in so broken and so jacked up and you were so messed up to try to put it on a young man or a young woman to walk in these doors. You can walk in as you want to walk in. You're welcomed in this house. Man, it breaks my heart to think that the church has put so many stipulations on, on people entering the church or even serving and standing at a door, or even being up here, or being with kids, that we put so many different stipulations on them. When in reality, it breaks my heart to watch that the church will see a young man with his pants sagging. And a a young man, he don't look the way that you look. 
He don't smell the way that you smell. He might not even believe the way that you believe. And what the church sometimes does is he looks at it. Nah, brother, you got to pick your pants. You got to do this. You got to spit your gum out your mouth. You got to do all of this stuff. Get out. Clean yourself up before you come into the house of the Lord. You know what's crazy? Is that the army will see that very same kid. The Navy. The Marines will see that very same kid with his pants sagging. And what they would say in their heart is, hey, come here. What we're going to do is we're going to train you. We're going to discipline you. We're going to teach you. We're going to invest inside of you. We're going to raise you up. And all of a sudden, that kid, one year later, you see him, and it's a different person. His mind is different. His body looks different because they invested. Why isn't the church investing in the same way? Why can't we get past all the religious stones that are breaking people from coming and actually see them and develop them? If the army and our special forces and our military branches can do this and change a person's life how much more the glorious gospel of Jesus this stone that blocked them scripture says that as they were getting to walk and they get to the place where Jesus was they look and to their surprise they say oh, yo the, the stone has been rolled away and I love it because it says the stone was rolled away and they were surprised because the stone was heavy your religion is heavy can I give you some hope on this Easter Sunday nobody in this room, there's not one per. maybe I'm wrong. Do me a favor. Can you raise your hand real quick if you've never sinned before? <laughs> Mateo's the only one. <laughs> That's a lie. Be careful. You might get lightning strike him. Um, so we've all sinned. Hey, can I be honest with you? Nobody in this room can come to Jesus. Nobody in this room can get saved. Nobody in this room is going to heaven because of your own merit. I'm sorry, it just, it, it, the Bible says in Isaiah 65, 5, it says that sin is a stench unto God's nostrils. I'll take it a step further. Here it is that Jesus is pinned up on the cross and he's sitting there. He says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because when God looked down, what he saw on him was my sin. But that's also the good news. The good news is that it isn't about you doing good enough to be able to get there. The good news is that Jesus rolled the stone, that he did the heavy lifting that you can never do. He lived the sinless life to be that perfect lamb so that he can present himself to God. And the Bible, this cross, this story of Easter isn't about Jesus dying as you or dying for you. It's about Jesus dying as you. It should have been you on that cross. You should have paid. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You had no way to get to God, but God got to you. He brought you Jesus as a sacrifice and as a payment so that you can have now you can walk in with boldness and confidence knowing I'm a mess I'm a man I'm jacked up but I know that the stone has been rolled away I know that Jesus has made a way for me to be able to access the father we have redemption we have salvation available to us scripture says that we can boldly enter into the throne of grace because of Jesus he removed the stone y'all he removes the stone Scripture says that these women walk up to there and the stone is, and they're just thinking to themselves, yo, what just happened? And they walk in because they, Scripture, other, the Synoptic Gospels, they all say kind of the same thing when it comes to this story. But one of them actually says that they walked in because they thought to themselves, somebody stole Jesus. And when they walk in, they see a young man that's on the corner dressed in white. And the young man to them, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's no longer here. He is risen. He was crucified. The last living moment that uh, outside of a couple of individuals, the last moment that they saw Jesus, they saw Jesus crucified. On that Good Friday, which was nothing good about it, on that day Jesus was on his cross. It was crazy to watch as 
it kind of played out because Jesus, he fell under the most demonic, the most painful regime ever to exist. The Roman government, even if you study today, the Roman government was probably one of the most brutal governments that had ever existed. They studied. They had a praetorium. They had locker rooms for the guards. They would have these coliseums where they would throw Christians inside and allow for lions to eat them. They had these thoughts that they would say to themselves, we're going to learn how to crucify and how to make, we're going to squeeze every last bit of pain out of a person before they leave. They thought of capital punishment as a game. And they would study on how to kill people. They take Jesus and they beat him up and they do so much to him way before they ever get to the moment that he gets to the whipping post. The whipping post on a Friday day. It was this, this whip that they had that you would grab with two hands. And on this whip, there were nine, the Bible says there were nine, uh, um, a, a whip of cat of nine tails. And so those nine tails were these leather straps that on the edge of them was attached glass. And what they would do is that they would take it and they would put it inside water. And then with both hands, what they would do is that they would put somebody and they would wrap their arms around a pole so that they can't move. And they would tie them. And so there's no way to move out of this. And they would lean back with both hands and they would come down and they would wipe. But when they would hit because of the cat of nine tails, because of the glass and because of the metal that was on there, they would and they would rip. And their thought was, they, they studied this. They wanted to do this as best as they could. Their thought was that this trapezoid muscle that you have right here, that some people got it bigger than others. And this, this muscle right here, what they were trying to do was that every time that they whipped on it, they tried to get it to be able to rip it off because they wanted to rip this out. I'll explain to you in a moment. Once they were able to accomplish that, then they would take the back and they would try to expose the back as much as they could. I'll explain to that in a second. And they would sit there. And I mean, just these grown men would come back and whooking. And they would pull it down and rip every single bit of Jesus' meat. I mean, to the point that Jesus, 39 lashes. Some people would not make it past this. They would die at this very moment. So when people tell you that this religion that we have, Christianity, I hate that it's a religion. This is a relationship with a man who is strong, with a man that's powerful, that he sat there and take it. Take the spiritual out for just a second. Bro, I get a tummy ache sometimes and I'll be wondering where Jesus is at. When the rapture happening? You abandoned me, Lord. Why do you hate me? I'm sick. You're supposed to heal me right now. Oh, you hate me. This man was taking these things and so they ripped each of these. And what they did was that they pinned them up on a cross. And I know that you've seen the, the statues sometimes or even the movies and it looked like it was on the wrist. It was not on the wrist. I mean, on the, on the hand. It wasn't on the hand. They actually put those nails inside of their wrists. So you can imagine how much blood flow was losing. And Jesus is on his cross. And what they would do is that they nailed both of the hands. And then what they did was that they nailed his feet together. But then they nailed his feet together with a little bit of a bend. And here's why. Because when Jesus was up there, they removed those trapezoid muscles, right? They severed those things. So what would happen is that you would slump. And when you would slump, your actual lungs would begin to collapse and you couldn't breathe. I saw this in real life in my mom. Not the crucifixion. That's crazy. No, I saw <laughs> my mom was in the hospital and she had this uh, couple of days where she had this pain on one side of her body. And what she did was that she kind of leaned over to the side and she was kind of leaning in the hospital bed over to the side and after a couple of days I remember coming back and she was so filled with water I mean she was just it was it was she looked really really bad and the doctors told me we have to do dialysis we have to get all this water out because what happens is that when she leaned to the side her lung collapsed 
and she's having real bad trouble trying to breathe. And what happened was that she just laid for a little while. And some of my doctors, y'all understand, y'all know what that means. And she laid in one side. And because you lay there for too long, <coughs> your lung collapses. And so here it is that Jesus, when his muscles that are attached to his shoulder and he slumped, it creates this compression, which the Roman guards were trying to do that to be able to get you to a place where you couldn't breathe couldn't breathe and what Jesus would have to do remember the bend on his leg and what Jesus would do is that he would try to push himself up and then come back the whole while his back which is exposed because of all of the whipping is scraping up and down on this tree they didn't have Home Depot so these trees were real and it was splinters and it was bad and Jesus was just going up and down for six hours scripture tells us that for six hours that he got to the point where he dies of asphyxiation and a broken heart. Because Jesus is sitting there and at 3 p.m. Scripture says that they have to go. And because the Sabbath and the preparation for the Passover was about to happen. That what they needed to do was that they needed to take these individuals and break their legs so that they can't breathe anymore. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs because he was already dead and they were surprised. So what they did was that they took a spear and that spear was right under his rib cage, and they punctured his heart. And when his heart punctured, imagine, it should just flow out blood. It didn't. It flowed out water and blood. Partly because he had lost every ounce of blood that he has inside of him. But then also, his heart had ruptured. And what happens when your heart ruptures is that all of a sudden your body, created by God, it tries to go and heal itself. So it creates this fluid around the heart to try to heal it. And so when they pop the heart, they also pop that fluid that was there. And so you see that Jesus dies of a broken heart, literally, and the water comes out. This is the Jesus that these women were going to see. But the Jesus that they got was the one that was found in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. I want you to read this with me. Scripture says that Isaiah begins, he says, in the year that Uzziah, that in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I, I know you're looking for Jesus, but he's no longer here. I think this is prophetic. It's also talking. It can speak to the crucifixion where Jesus was high and lifted up. But I want to show you that the moment that he died, though to me and to you and even to the Roman guards, it could look like a loss. Like we killed them. We won. The Roman government eliminated the threat. We have taken over I want to show you that it was something totally different and it's hidden inside of the scripture. If you've been to greater church for any amount of time, we've preached on this because we believe this. But I want to show you something. Scripture says that the train of his robe filled the temple. What that means is that if a king who is going to war, if I am a king and I'm going to war with the kingdom of Marietta and I'm from Ackworth, let's just say. If I go to Marietta, the king of Marietta, if I defeat him, I'm going to take a piece of his robe. If it's kingly robe, I'm going to take a piece of it. And what happens is that you don't put it on the outside, you put it on the inside of it. You have a beautiful robe, but then these things are placed inside. And so what happened if now if I take over the king of Woodstock and I beat the king of Woodstock, I'm going to cut him over. And so here it is that Jesus, scripture says that his robe filled the temple. I want to show you a picture just so you can kind of get an idea. This is an old picture. It looks super horrible, but this is a picture of a king. Uh, um, this is in the UK and these are all the conquests that he has and it looks like it's hers, but it's not. It's actually his that's robing around, right? Now go back to Isaiah, I mean Isaiah chapter 6 and I saw him lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Can I tell you that Jesus never got on a horse? Jesus never slung a sword. I can't look in scripture where it even says that Jesus fought in any type of war. But all of a sudden his robe 
fills the temple because the enemy that he defeated was death, hell, and the grave. The enemy that he defeated and he took a patch from was depression. The enemy that he defeated was anxiety. The enemy that he defeated was cancer. The enemy that he defeated was death. The enemy that he defeated was addiction. That this Jesus that we're talking about, this Jesus came in. He's no longer crucified. He's not here. He has taken the keys from death, hell, and the grave. And could you imagine a robe that every single one, I mean your finances, I mean your marriage, that every single enemy that has tried, every generational curse that has come against you has been broken and defeated by Jesus. And it's just in his robe. And his robe is filling the temple. This is the Jesus that we serve, that he's no longer in the grave. He's alive. But Chino, <laughs> I get it. And it sounds amazing. But... But if I'm honest with you, I kind of feel like my life doesn't have all those victories. And if I look at everything that's happening with me, I don't see that, that my victory is in his robe. I feel like the defeat is leaving and weighing in me. And I feel like I'm dealing with some stuff that, you know, I'm not able to pass this thing. And I've been praying about this thing. And I feel like I'm, I look at the world. And I see all the bad and the evil that's happening. Yo, I don't, I don't know how much of a, of a win he has. I don't know how much he has defeated. Because I'm looking around at everything and it don't look right. Because you're not looking at where you are. <laughs> Watch this. Yesterday there were some fights. And anybody like boxing in the house? Anybody? One, two, three, four. Okay. <laughs> in boxing, there is a... a, a Men or women, there's an individual that fights with another individual. And what they're doing is they're testing their skill and their strength. They come to a moment where this individual is going to try to have a fight with that individual. And what will happen is eventually, whether they win by submission, like they submitted and they tapped out. Or they won by knockout where they put the person unconscious and the person is incapacitated and can't fight anymore. Or they scored enough points. All of a sudden, there's a winner and there's a loser. Here's what happens though. If there is a fight. And there was a fight yesterday, and there was a knockout. And so in this fight, this individual, as they're fighting, this individual gets the upper hand, and he's able to incapacitate the person who he's fighting. And that person is on the ground. And then you see this fighter raise their hands. Yeah, we won. And then people, all of a sudden, they start flooding into the, into the ring. And people are taking pictures, and the family is there. And they're like, yeah, we won. Let's go. We won. Ah. And hopefully they, they're assisting the guy that got knocked out or they lost. You know what I mean? There's just, there's a moment. But everybody's celebrating. People are arguing from the other side. Yeah, I'm going to fight you next. Yeah, you can fight me next. We can do whatever. Ah. It, it's, oh, it's pandemonium. Pandemonium. It just, I mean, it just utter chaos. But then there comes a moment in the chaos where everything is calmed down. And somebody steps up. And all of a sudden, there's a person, a ring announcer. And they put one individual on one side and one individual on the other side. And if that person, obviously, that lost is, is better and can stand up and can do that, they will sit there and the man in the middle and then somebody with a microphone will make a pronouncement. And what they'll say is that, and now a winner by knockout and still the reigning champion or the new reigning champion or this or the winner today out of the blue corner, so-and-so. And a pronouncement is made. What I want to show you is that we're in the middle of that moment of chaos. 
That's where we find ourselves in, where Jesus has actually taken the, the victory from Satan. He's taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He's beaten him, right? So he's knocked him out, and everybody has rushed him. And we're all celebrating on Easter. There's churches all over the country right now that are celebrating. And it's fun, and it's exciting. But there's a moment in the middle that we find ourselves, that you may find yourself in the chaos. And this moment in the middle, you're just waiting for the pronouncement. Scripture says that Jesus is one day returning. And when he returns, he's going to wipe every tear out of your eye. He's going to make every, and he's going to pronounce, and still the king of king, he who is risen and he is seated on high, he is going to stand and they're going to make this pronouncement. His hand is going to go up. And at that moment, in that pronouncement, scripture says that all things that are old will be made new. But in the middle, there's still hope for you. In the midst of the chaos, you still got another trick up your sleeve. These champions, a few years ago, uh, some years ago now, they took a bunch of these champions um, to the Louvre. And the Louvre is this, this famous museum in Paris. And they took them all to go look at all these different paintings and different beautiful artwork. And so these champions were champions from golf and tennis and football and um, all these boxing champions and chess champions and all swimming champions. They took them all together and they gave them this tour in France. They were having a conference. And all of a sudden they passed by one beautiful painting. And I'm going to put it up on the screen for you to see it. Um, and, it's, and it's called Checkmate. It's called Checkmate. And so what they did was they drew a picture of the devil who has the little red feather. So that's the devil. And then there is an individual on the side who is supposed to be Jesus. But you can put yourself there because it feels like this. And the enemy is laughing and looking at him because he checkmated him and he won. And you can see the individual is distraught like, I've lost. And so these guys are seeing this picture and this painting and they're like, yo, that's amazing. And they go and they keep walking. But the there's a chess champion that's there. And the chess guy, he just sits there. He's just looking at it, super intrigued. This is different. And they begin to walk and they go and they're, they're starting to look at other things. And after a little while, about 10, 15 minutes, the host, the person who's taking them around, he says, hey, where is so-and-so at? And they say, oh, we, we don't know. He was with us. And so they retraced their steps. And then they got to the point where they were able to find, and they found him back looking at this chess picture. And then... When the host comes, he says, hey, sir, are you, are you coming to see the other exhibits? He says, I'm not. I, I am, but there's something wrong with this picture. No, sir. We have some of the most detailed servants that come in here and clean and make sure that this picture is good. It's well taken care of. I know, but it's wrong. No, no, sir. We, we've had the best, the best Scientologists and archaeologists that they verified. This is a real picture. This is something that was created in the 500s, but I mean, this is a real picture. This is something that actually, it's beautiful. I know, but there's, you're going to have to change the name, sir. There is nothing wrong with this. We've done all the verification. And this man turns, he says, I don't, I don't think you understand. I'm a chess player. I'm a champion chess player. And I'm looking at this picture and there's something wrong in it. And he says, I don't understand. He says, the name of this picture is Checkmate. And the individual with the red feather who is supposed to be Satan is supposed to have checkmated the other individual but that's not the full story because as I look at the chess piece the king got one more move I know you're in the middle and I know it's tough but can I tell you that the king still has one more move he hasn't given up on you your story is not over if there's a beat in your chest it's because God is still on the throne Jesus resurrection is about him coming back and the king got one more move in your life baby you got one more move in your marriage you got one more move 
Depression is not going to end you. Anxiety is not going to end you. Your finances and everything that's around you are not going to end you. The king got one more move. That move is going to change everything. It's the resurrection. It was the women that saw Jesus after this. That in just one moment, everything changes. Can I tell you that in one moment, everything changes. The king has one more move. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My